0: Fox Podcast: The weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav. And I am once again here with my co-host Wayne Wise. How's it going, Wayne? Hey, Mav. I feel like I haven't been on an episode for a while. How you doing? I was gonna say you haven't been here in a while. You've been. Just, I mean, it's uh, behind the scenes talk on the show. There's not really any logic to it. It's just like the way the shows fall. It's who's available and what the topic mm-hmm. is, and it just like we weren't trying to keep you away or anything. Like, oh no, yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I really. And to be fair, you're like I'm aware of all the topics and some of them. I and it, you know our behind the scenes stuff, our ongoing text chat, kind of boils down to, hey, we're doing an episode on this. Anybody in? And like, yeah, I got nothing on that. And that you know that's how we that's, that's how we determine who's going to be on the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, but then this week. I mean, you, you had to show up. because It was your topic. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was last week or two weeks ago, because I lose track of our own shows. Monica said we need to do, need to do some some Halloweeny shows. So this one is, is sort of yours. Halloweeny, kind of spooky. What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah.
2: And so, you know, we, full disclosure, Mav and I disagree on, on, on this movie that we're going to be talking about, which is fine. This might double as a show. It's a Halloween show. It might double as a, hey, is this a good movie or not show? Mm -hmm. I have been a fan for a long time of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I have sort of an annual ritual of listening to the soundtrack in my car and singing along very loudly, at least once in October every year. (laughs) The only time singing. And I usually watch it at least once a year. I've been doing that for a good while. I wanted to talk about it. I think. I do think it's a good movie. I, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's absurd. But I think there's a lot going on in it. So so I wanted to talk about it. And I think Halloween's a good time to do that. To help bolster my side of things, I brought along a returning
1: <laughs> I brought along returning guest, friend of the show, Dr. Michael Chemmers. Hey, Mike, welcome back. Oh, it's so great to be back. It's been a while since I've been on the show. I've actually been here in the studio this entire time, but I haven't been on the show. Are you,
0: re- <laughs> Are you recording your show? Because you, you have a show now. We'll talk about the end. But you have your own show now. Are you just recording? recording that in our studio. Is that how it works?
1: <laughs> that's what I've been doing. I sneak in at night when you guys aren't available and I just uh, record it using your equipment. That's yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's cool. Good.
2: <laughs> now, I know Mike's been a fan. We've talked about Rocky Horror in the past. Mike has written academically about Rocky Horror. And Mike, tell us about oh. yourself in in all contexts, not just Rocky Horror, but oh, who
1: the hell I'm are uh, you and why are you here? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Good question. I'm a professor of dramatic literature at the, uh, the University of California at Santa Cruz, and I study monsters and other bizarre things in pop culture. And I'm particularly interested in the way that fear manifests itself in pop culture and the way that the tropes of fear are translated onto, mapped onto real people. And that's what I've been talking about on this show for a long time. And Rocky Horror fits perfectly into my domain because I'm actually a theater professor. I'm not a film or a literature professor. I'm a theater professor. So for me, Rocky Horror is particularly interesting because it has a very theatrical component to it that is very important to to its survival and persistence in our culture.
2: All right. And we have another guest, another fairly regular Vox podcast person, Nicole Freem. Welcome back. Hey, hey, Nicole. Thanks for coming on. Sure.
3: For those who haven't met me before, I'm a professor at Southwestern Oregon Community College. Do English literature, drama, sort of all of it. And and I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of Rocky Horror. I'm <laughs> frankly very surprised Mav is not. That, but, I get a lot of that. But, uh, you know,
0: yeah, I get a lot of that.
3: You just, you like to keep people on their toes. I think that's what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should clarify it's not that I hate Rocky Horror yeah, uh, it, no it, no it, 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 I
3: hated it I see a sand I know but I mean it's
0: al- almost like a It's sort of a weird thing where people get offended when I say well it's not a good movie now to be fair before you before anybody clarify, it's not supposed to be a good movie it's supposed yeah, to, I mean no. it, it, like it, it is yeah. conceptually a bad movie and there are many bad things that I like I mean I have on this show from the very beginning unironically I love Mantle that's that. that is not a Jokes kind of <laughs> right, shows. right. I think *Animal* is brilliant. I'm aware that it is bad. I am the world's biggest Riverdale fan because of things that I like that are, you know, demonstrably bad and objectively bad. I think people expect that I'll like *Rocky Horror*, and I've watched it a couple of times, and I go, "Huh, well, well, there, there was that." And it I, just doesn't sing to me, and I've got some yeah. theories to the reasons why. But mm-hmm. like, part I'm, of its cultural, part of its racial, part of its, a bit but like yeah. mostly it's like, "Oh, this is I, I mean, I, I'm fine that people love it, but it. Just does not grab me. Like, and yeah. I know why it's supposed to, and it doesn't. It's got all the yeah. stuff in it that I want. I
2: think some of that, okay. well, I'm, curi- I'm curious. You know, some of it, I think, is just time and place in your life that you're first exposed to it and the context. Like, you know, my, my blog said, you know, I was exposed to it. You know, I had, I was teaching assistant in a gift program, one of the students. And at this point, I was close to the student's age. And, you know, the, he had the soundtrack, which I listened to and I thought was really cool. And he had a picture novel of it. And it was just, you know, it, it was so subversive. This is like 1980, 81 and just back home in green County, you just didn't see or talk about anything like this. And it felt subversive and like, And but nobody was playing it back home in Green County either. So it was mm-hmm. three or four years before I had the opportunity to see it. So I had built it into this thing in my brain before I went to see it. And when I did, it was just everything that live experience Rocky who were supposed to be. It was madness. It was all the props It got carried away. I mentioned in the blog, somebody ripped a toilet out of the men's room. You know, it mm-hmm. was just, it, I, and I've been talking to other people in this area who performed Rocky Horror at the Hollywood Theater for years and years. Apparently, this show I was at has fallen into legend in the Pittsburgh area as like the first mm. time it was ever shown. So, so it was a thing. And then just mm-hmm. over the years, I saw it you know, any, you know, knew lots of people who were into it, saw it any number of times with different people. It was a memorable first date with someone who became very important in my life. How is that for romantic? Let's go see Rocky Horror. But then I also, you know, saw it, I saw it in crowded theaters. I also saw it. It played Regularly in Erie when I was in in Gladstone and Edinburgh, and I saw it in the theater where it was myself and the three people who went with me in my car, and that's the only people who are in the theater. Mm-hmm. And Mike, you talk about this in your article, just that how it has changed now that it's not showing in that many theaters, it's not a weekly event, it's not this big cultural community event. People are watching it at home on their DVR or streaming it or whatever, and that completely changes the context of the movie. I mean, there's lots of other things I want to talk about, but I think that's an important part of this,
1: right? I mean, I think I would go so far. As to say, Mav, that when you say Rocky Horror is not a good movie, I'm actually going to say it's not a movie at all. It is oh <laughs> great? It's not a question of it being a good or a bad movie. If it were a better movie, it would have disappeared from cultural consciousness a long time ago. Absolutely agree. But it, but because it was a because it was a failure uh, as a, in a traditional movie sense, they looked mm-hmm. for this other way to promote it, and it had actually the call and response had actually begun when Rocky Horror was a stage play. It was called the Rocky Horror Show, and it was uh, in London and apparently was a tremendous success and agger used to come to it and and keith richards and they would put champagne bottles on the stage and the cast would drink the champagne and they would yell back and forth at the actors so to me seems that tradition of call and response is woven into the film itself which is one of the reasons why it's a bad movie the pacing is 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 really off and every once in a while the actors will look at the camera right and Mm -hmm. or say something to the camera and i think that it's a lot more productive and interesting or at least creates interesting questions if you say Rocky Horror is not a film it is the very complicated scenic element of play which is conducted by the cast itself that's mm-hmm. the cultural phenomenon right that's the experience the, the movie itself as Wayne points out when you watch it on your DVR or you watch it on streaming by yourself in your living room that's just sad
0: <laughs> well except that like I Wayne you also do he does
1: that yeah,
3: yeah. yeah he does yeah. that like... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah and I'm some of that is wrong. just I'm, I'm not saying it's
2: yeah, wrong no, I'm just
1: saying it's sad You're sad
2: yeah well, and some of it for me it is it's a nostalgic thing it puts me back the time and place of, with the old friends uh, the absent friends, people I miss. And, you know, Some of it is, it's very much just a nostalgic thing for me of, of remembering these people and these places and these things. And I just, I find it fun. And I, you know, my overly analytic brain, every time I watch it, I see new shit in the background. Like, Ooh, what's that poster on Columbia as well? And, you know, try to focus in on it and read more into it than someone should be reading into it. But, but I, yeah, I, but I find that culture phenomenon. I mean, Mike, you, you compared it to like the old mystery cults so and this thing that takes place, you know, people are
1: initiated in the dark yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah there it's a, it's a it is it's a sort of a cult right it's a very mm-hmm. harmless lovely little yeah. cult that, that loves its its participants completely and you cannot watch Rocky Horror in the theater without being initiated into the cult mm-hmm. and and the initiation itself is a little humiliating and I don't think it's very me too anymore I don't think we can do it anymore yeah. um, <laughs> right but but it was cute and everybody gets to be a part of it right as soon as you're initiated you can then start yelling at the screen is it's, it's a yeah a mystery
3: I mean, I would agree. I remember when it was sort of first becoming popular and my sister was going to a midnight showing with friends and I wasn't allowed to go because I was not old enough. And my parents were like, no, you know, you can't take her. She's not old enough for this. My I sister's know. five years older than I am. And so, you know, for a while I was like, I desperately wanted to know because I wasn't allowed to. Right?
1: As soon as mm-hmm.
3: they you, say, you're, you know, it's not for you yet. And you want to know. How old were yeah. you, Nicole, when that happened? Oh, gosh. This was early 80s. So I, I think Renee was a senior when it was playing when I remember this happening. And so I would have been like eighth grade or something like that. Um,
1: that's, uh, that's about the same age I was. 14, 14 is when I first saw it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the students who had the
2: book and the soundtrack were probably 15, 16 at the time. I'd have been 20. So So mm.
0: I first saw it, I guess, at Carnegie. I was probably aware of it before then. So I was probably 19, but I'm pretty sure I'd seen other queer bad movies that were called classic. Like, I'm positive I saw Rocky Horror after I'd already seen Priscilla Queen of the Desert, which I actually Mm -hmm. like a lot. But again, even Priscilla's not my favorite movie. One of the things with Rocky Horror for me was I don't love the music. I like Time Warp Mm -hmm. and, you know, the one song that everybody loves. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good, I guess. And a lot of the other songs I don't care for. I don't find them fun. But also, like, you know, I mean, we don't talk about my musical taste on the show anywhere near as much as we do with Wayne's, but like I like R and B and hip hop mm. and like you know yeah. like it's just like, yeah. like it's a different culture that I grew up in. It's a mm-hmm. black kid from Cleveland. It's not like I, I just don't relate to anybody in the film. I appreciate the cultural place of it to where I'm like, oh, it is very interesting that we have this performative piece that is accepting of alternative sexuality and pushes boundaries. And I just wish it was better. <laughs> and that's kind of. <laughs> and I'm not trying. And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just yeah, like, not everything needs to be for me. We've talked about this on yeah, the show right. before, right? Oh, like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, because I book the show, a lot of times the topics tend to be stuff that, like, uh, you know, this might not be for everybody, but Mav sure loves it. And this is one of those ones <laughs> where I'm like, I mean, it's fine. Like, I like I know that Riverdale's not for everybody. I just happen to love it. But, like, yeah. but the thing is, the things that I love about Riverdale, like, you know, my favorite episodes of Riverdale are all the musical episodes. And they're because of the ridiculousness of watching the Riverdale cast do, well, Rocky Horror, but also, you know, head and like uh, and what I said, they've done Carrie the musical and all of these are just ridiculous and that's what I love about them so I get why Rocky Horror works it's just one of those things that never sung to me mm-hmm. and so it, it just puts me at this weird you know every once in a while there's going to be a fandom where I'm on the outside and that's fine yeah. I guess oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's allowed. Well, yeah. thank you for allowing us mm-hmm. to have that fandom yeah,
0: you know, <laughs> you, yeah yeah you can have your little thing this once I guess you know thank, like, you, sure, thank you sure <laughs> But listen,
1: I have to back you up on this. The Rocky Horror is a very white movie. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the only yeah. person who is racially even a soup song of non-Lily White is, is Frank Converter. Mm. Looks like he might be Jewish or something. He's very hairy and he's there's, got black curly hair. There's
0: one black dude who's one of the random Transylvanians. There's like literally yeah, one yeah. black guy in the entire movie. Yeah. And he has no lines or anything. I just, no. like, when you're a black you movie, you notice the one black guy. It's like,
1: oh, there's a brother in this
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing there? But like, you, you pick up on it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is a very white movie. It's a very much about white yes. culture and the campiness of it mm-hmm. is very much about, about an assault on white culture, right? A particular type of white culture, white bourgeois, mm-hmm. well, I, uh, yeah. bourgeois culture. Yeah.
2: Well, and very much. And, you know, once again, I mentioned this in the call for comments. I, for me, so much of it is just, it is so much of that pop culture stew of the early seventies, right when I was becoming a teenager that I was exposed to. Now I wasn't exposed to Rocky right then, but it was part of this other thing, you know, like, all the, you, know, you hear me talk about you know, the whole rock thing and Bowie and all that. That stuff, the '50s revival that was going on in the 1970s with Happy Days and all that, yep. and Rocky is very Sha-na-na. much Sha yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. you, Rocky and is, Sha-na-na. yeah, you, Rocky a, is. Okay, you, so oddly enough,
0: I'm a huge Sha fan. I, <laughs> that <laughs> one works for me. And I present. like, yeah, I love Greece. I love Sha Rocky didn't yep. do it for me. <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's, you know, it is. It's a pastiche and condemnation of that Ozzy narrative 1950s culture. I mean, all of Denton, you know, Brad and Janet are just that TV version of '50s middle class. America, 50s, Middle America. So it's a con- it's a condemnation, or at least a commentary on it. But it's also you know, all that glam stuff. I love, Columbia is one of my favorite characters in the story because Columbia is just so straight up glam rock from 1972. Her clothing, her demeanors, you know, there's the Betty Boop from the cartoons in the 1920s. Bob Fosse's Cabaret came out th- that year. You yeah. watch Liza Minnelli and then watch Columbia, you know, that's so it's totally more of the same thing. So, you know, just that whole glam rock thing. And if you listen to glam rock, I mean, there's Bowie and Rocky Music music kind of went the art rock thing. But if you listen to all the other glam rock bands of that time, they were absolutely in love with the fifties. They were a response to the 80 minute drum solos and the prog rock stuff. It was a return to three minute pop song. So many mm-hmm. of the glam arts, that stuff you listen to it and it's straight up 1950 style rock and roll. So glam was absolutely in love with 1950s. So Columbia being in love with Eddie just symbolically makes a world of sense to me. Yeah. Oh. So, so, so that, that, one of those things i look at with that also this transition of it hadn't happened yet but you know so it's in love with the 50s it's symbolically glam which was happening when it was being produced it was also incredibly prescient of punk and goth in terms of the clothing and the attitude and you know the punk movement just grew straight out of out of glam rock and so many ways so i just you know once again that's just the stew of stuff that's in my brain and all the other things i'm into and i just see all of them in this movie and so that that's part of the appeal for me is just kind of placing it in the middle of all of that stuff I, anecdote with to just to illustrate uh what what i'm saying here with that those connections Two different biographies of the Runaways I read, one of which was Sheree Curry's uh, autobiography, Neon Angel, which Mike and I saw Sheree at the Red Devil Lounge in San Francisco right. seven we or eight sure years did. ago.
1: We sure did. She did.
2: Yeah. Sheree was the lead singer of the Runaways. And in both of these biographies of the band and her autobiography, they very specifically talk about their manager, Kim Fowley, taking them to see Rocky Horror, which directly mm. influenced Sheree's stage presence. She's wearing a bustier and thigh-highs. See that? It came straight out of Rocky Horror. 20-some years later, Don't is cast as Columbia in a stage production of it, and she's wearing bustier and thigh highs that Cherie used to wear. And I just find that thread of connections wonderful. <laughs> oh.
3: Well, I mean, kind of what I like about it is sort of the all this spoofiness of the old, like, bad science fiction mm-hmm. monster movie kind of things. And, you know, it might be sort of a similar kind of thing that speaks to me from when I was younger because in the 70s when parents got divorced and, And my mom was, you know, struggling mom. Now she's got to take care of two kids and on a secretary's uh, salary was a cheap entertainment for us to go to bed early Mm -hmm. on Friday night, set the alarm, get up at two and make Mm -hmm. popcorn and watch these old cheesy monster movies that would be Mm -hmm. on now at two in the morning. And so I I have sort of a love of, I don't want to call them bad movies because they're not all bad. Although let's be be honest, most of them are.
1: Yeah,
3: well, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah, right. That, that, so, so the there's some elements of that in rocky horror that I think really just appeal to me, but then also the dramatic nature of it because you know, I'm a theater geek from a long time back. Yeah, theater <laughs> yes, <laughs> so the performative nature, I mean, like you're saying, it is completely different to watch it in a theater and with the interaction with the shadow cast and sort of all of that, that it's that it has to different energy that to me even if i'm watching it at home which you know i've it to prep for the prep to talk about <laughs> it right it reminds me of that i don't watch it and feel oh this is sad and empty because it's just not as good in the <laughs> theater it uh. reminds me of that's right this movie is well first of all and this movie is just weird right yeah but then second of all that's right this movie is because it's weird it's fun but then i also have i have sort of like math i have a pension for for a terrible. <laughs> terrible. <move>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I and mean, all of that same thing. You know, I grew up in the 70s, not only reading tons of comics, as you may have guessed from our all of our yeah. previous interactions, but, uh, you know, the monster magazines I and mean, the you know, famous monsters of film land. That's, yeah, same thing. I was watching all that stuff on you know, late night, Friday nights here locally. There was killer theater and science fiction theater, which ran on Saturday afternoons and saw that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you know, I watch Rocky Horror and I see the references to King Kong and you know, Frankenstein, very obviously, which Mike, I want you to talk about Frankenstein in context in this sure. movie as well. But yeah, I see all that stuff and I love that as well. It's just such a melting pot of so many of the things I'm interested in. And you tie that in with the subversive sexual innuendo and whatever. You know, when I was 19, 20 years old, it was just, yeah, they push them buttons. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a question, a weird question. So this is, this is a little, little bit of an academic thing. I didn't exercise this week in one of my classes. I'm teaching this composition class about, you know, about the uh, composition of, of digital online media. And so, for example, I use the Vox Popcast blog because it's not just written by me. But here are five people who I think are good writers, you know, with us, you know, which is brag a little bit. <laughs> but, but and we all have different styles and here are different things that you can do if you are reviewing movies and stuff. So so I, I gave just five different of different things that that we've written on the blog. And the one that I gave for Wayne was your blog this week on, on, on Rocky Horror. And the kids who had to review your writing, and you know, in each, I put kids in, in groups of like three to five, and they had to, they had to review one of our essays and then write about what we're doing and what's the thesis. You know, it's it's a writing exercise. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And the kids who had to do yours, they were like, we're not sure of his thesis. We don't, it, it's like, a, it's, uh, yeah, it's I, definitely I, a I review. I am either. Yeah. Uh, so he goes, they go, it's definitely a review. I don't know if he likes it or not. Or, and, then, and then the guy goes, well, no, he definitely likes it, but it feels like he's saying, I don't think this is necessarily good, but I want you to know that it exists. And I was like, <laughs> that seems like, that seems very accurate to how That's Wayne fair. thinks about writing it. <laughs> it's like, it's like so, so, yeah, we, you we, good, or is it, <laughs> or is it just, I like this? Like, I can't objectively say.
2: Yeah. yeah I don't know that I can objectively say. I I think there are a lot of good things about it. I think you see that thing I was talking about with the connection of the glam rock. It's my brain making these connections. I think you can and, and you know the thing I just said to Mike, let's talk about Frankenstein. You know, I think it is part of a long line of things influenced by Frankenstein and part of that world and we're talking about in the context of you know, what is Frankenstein in the 20th century. You know, young Frankenstein came out around that same time. Are they that different? You know. So I, I do. I like it. And you know, once again, I and I said this art text thread. You know, when I write the call for comments, I am not necessarily trying to do an analysis in that. I'm trying to get people interested in the show. This mm-hmm. is what we're gonna be talking about, so I don't want to overanalyze it in the blog itself because then I have nothing to say once we get here other than repeating myself. So I, I think I do less of that sort of analysis in the blog than any of the rest of you do, and that's fine. There's a different writing styles, but I mm-hmm. don't try to overanalyze in the blog itself. It's like, hey, here's this cool thing. Let's talk about it.
0: Here's why I think it's cool. Until Go. you just said so, I would have assumed that Young Frankenstein was much later movie than Rocky Horror, but it is the year before, and wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've uh, seen them both. So many, I'm like, Oh, I thought young, I was like, I would've yeah, seen they, young, young yeah, Frankenstein was mid eighties, but nope. Nope. Yeah, those are probably the two
2: movies I've seen most often in my life. <laughs> and I don't rewatch things. Yeah. As we've talked before, I don't rewatch things, but young Frankenstein. Oh, is, young Frankenstein. Yeah. It's one of the ones I've seen most frequently for whatever reasons. I saw that in the theater when it came out, when I was a young and oh, yeah. uh, many years before I saw Rocky horror. <laughs> so,
1: I, don't, very different guess. I don't think when you're asking, is it a good movie or not? You know, and Wayne, you're crying, Tumbling, you know, you're like, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's good or not. I just like it. Yeah. No, yeah. No, stand your yeah. ground. Stand yeah. your ground. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> can we <tell laughs> no, you I can
2: understand why I can understand why people don't think it's a good movie. Absolutely.
1: I think, you know, what is it? The question is, what does it do? Right. As a film, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Of course, what it does. I mean, it's banal to say this, but what it does is it subverts tropes. Right. It subverts narrative tropes. It, there's a presidential speech in it, but there's the presidential speech is Nixon's resignation speech. Right. So it's the nadir mm-hmm. of presidential speeches. So it unspeaks itself. You know, by being a presidential speech. There's a wedding proposal that gets turned into a homosexual wedding proposal, right? There's a ritual dinner, right? There's like a, a formal dinner that gets turned into a cannibalistic feast, right? There's a faith healing mm-hmm. uh, that gets turned into the redemption of the most stodgy character, the sexual redemption of the most stodgy character. There's a floor show. There's even a there's even a, a, a class revolution in it, right? Mm-hmm. It gets subverted. So there's all these rituals that get subverted. But of course, the most important rituals that are getting subverted are are the rituals of watching a movie right so you are not only is are the movie horror movie tropes the castle the road at night the handyman you know who's insane and the monster in the basement and all that kind of stuff that's all being subverted as well but so are the conventions of actually going to see the movie itself so you don't go in your normal clothes you go in costume right? if you go in costume you don't have to pay So you're already subverting mm-hmm. the financial trope the commercial trope the capitalist trope right you wreck the theater instead of sitting quietly in your seat you know you yell at the screen you 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 squirt guns and throw toast everywhere and hot dogs right it's a subversion of that good movie that we're talking about i get, it's not remains of the day and it and as you pointed out mav it doesn't want to be remains of the day you know it's a it's a subterfuge against that sort of movie not just and not just the movie itself but actually the very quality of being a spectator at a movie which is extremely liberating right for people who Mm -hmm. people who go to see it so (laughs) for the repressed middle-class
2: white people that it's aimed at exactly Right?
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I just can't I have to say this because I can't stop thinking about it. So it's basically like the remains of a day. Uh, <laughs> oh deep cut. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. You can cut remains that out No, 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 no,
0: no, no, no. That, that stays, stays
1: in
3: solid gold.
1: Yeah. Love it. One of us. (laughs) Remains of a day.
3: Like I said, I just had to say it because I'm like, now it's not going to leave my head till it leaves my (laughs) mouth.
1: I'm so glad you said it because it made my thing funny. So that's good.
0: I to help I wonder and again this ties back to I don't want to say it's just the racial component because I don't think it's just that it's very white because I was just thinking things that I do like I adore The Room and I think it's for exactly the same reason <laughs> it's a good example. Shimmers is the same oh. it's it, it, you know it's not a movie it's like I mean <laughs> I will say that Rocky Horror certainly checks more of the buttons of what technically makes a movie than The Room does The Room is a movie in that it is a piece of media that exists on film right. <laughs> and m- movement happens so sure but beyond that nothing else that like is is narratively conventional but the room is more about the experience of you go with your friends and you know you make fun of it and you enjoy it and you chant along and it's not you know it is media that you are interacting with and the performance is the party right that's what makes that film interesting uh. and it's what works for Rocky Horror too. So I get that. And I think there are a lot of things where I was i was also a Carnegie Mellon student. And there are you know, AB Tech at Carnegie Mellon has lots of movies. They do a movie Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. They do live movies for like a buck. And it's great if you're a student at CMU. And the Thursday night movies were often just garbage. But that's the joy of them. You were going to these garbagey movies to like, you know, laugh. And it's boisterous. And the crowd is making fun of them. Sometimes they, they showed hot- Skin which is a 3D porn movie that is awful and you oh. don't want to see 70s porn in 3D but I have and like there, and like what was great about seeing that, it's mil- coming that right movie at me. God yes because, because people would scream stuff like that and there was some dude who had the foresight to come to the film and sit in the front row of the theater facing backwards with a super soaker and every time oh. <laughs> and every and, you know and everyone in the theater is drunk and or stoned and just like in it, you know, and it's so obnoxious because every time a money shot happened, he would just spray the crowd and you want to be mad at it, but you're like, okay, dude, that's a funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that, that sounds like but a good like, time to me. Right. But it's
0: the, yeah. and it's the absolute ridiculousness of what's happening mm-hmm. that made, that made that interesting. Yeah, well, so, so I get it. Like I, I get why, you know, uh, uh, well, I'm a pro wrestling it. fan. I was a wrestler, right? Like yeah. wrestling isn't, the, you know, pe- and people are always like, well, you know, wrestling's fake. Did you know that? And I'm like, no, I did it for like tw- 12 years and I didn't pick (laughs) up on that. (laughs) Thank you for cluing me in. But like there are, you know, there are hardcore matches where people are looking there just to see the blood and the guts and the gore. And then Mm. you have just like you you have matches which are silly and comedy matches. Like I, you know, I've done so many comedy spots in my 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 wrestling career where the you know the joke isn't I did a thing where I once flung this guy. An Irish Whip is when you know you you throw a guy at the ropes and he's supposed to bounce off and then come and then come back at you. I threw Chris. Cole he slipped between the ropes and then kept running and he just ran right out of the the room and then we continued the match it was this big tag team match and then like literally three minutes later he came running in the door (laughs) on the other side because he'd run around the entire building and then just come and came running in the other door and clotheslined me and it's just like the narrative logic of that is absolutely ridiculous but the crowd loved it because oh my god this was stupid but the fun is that you know I as a character am not in on the joke they are in on the joke Uh. that Chris was doing with me and that's the fun of it right like so it's the interaction this doesn't work in an action movie because it's too ridiculous but Mm. in a live setting where the performance matters that works so i guess that's what's going on and it just doesn't you know yeah
2: i find it interesting that you from the outside the audience participation looks like chaos if you're used to just going to a movie it looks like chaos but if you're a regular at rocky you know the words it's a very ritualized chaos
3: yes right you know
2: the words you know when to do what Mm -hmm. and and as mike said the call and response you know it's catholic mass you yeah. You know. Yeah.
3: Okay. So oh. I have to ask gentlemen, has anybody mm-hmm. done shadow cast? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. I was riffraff. I think yeah. Michael
2: would have. Yeah. I have not. It just that wasn't taking place anywhere around me, the places that when I was going, but I know tons of people who have,
0: and obviously not for me because i yeah. would never do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Michael, who were you? I was riffraff. Nice. Yeah. I also played Brad in the floor show scene because I was the only one who could get my leg up that high. <laughs> it was there's a, I can he, there's a scene where he, hey, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Easy big
1: fella. Yeah, no, there's a scene where Barry Boswick is as Brad, basically almost does the splits. And I could do that at the time because I was a martial artist and I wasn't D1 and broken down like I am now.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I could not do Columbia at this point again.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Did you do that, Nicole?
3: Yes. I, okay. yeah, this is what happens when you're at a the theater nerd and you've studied tap and they're like, Hey, we need somebody. To yeah, tap. There you, oh, fantastic. That's there so you I
2: nice. I was going to ask
1: if you did the tap routine. That's wonderful.
2: Yeah. I say, I, I mentioned her. I love Columbia. Some of it's the glam thing, but I also see her as the, possibly the only character in the movie who has some genuine character growth, who goes through an arc from the beginning to the end. That's true. Um, yeah.
1: Although Janet also does. Yeah. You're right. Uh,
2: yeah. And I have this whole, and I've not gonna go into it because it's just too long but I had this whole headcanon of Eddie and Columbia and how they got there and what happened before the movie started they, Yeah, I think they showed up exactly what Janet did they were different people but I think they showed up got brought into it uh, were seduced and you know and is, yeah and just I think you know? yeah yeah they stayed well you know the palace e- the e- castle e- yeah, Eddie yeah she became part of the palace and the entourage Eddie sent out a note for help he started you know he was weirded out by it he was overwhelmed by it it was farther than he wanted to go and he needed help and, er- and Frank killed him but
1: his brain out and yeah Rocky. Right, yeah. But
2: I, but I think he was having problems being there. I think he was staying for Columbia. Yeah. I think he was having trouble being there even before Frank took his brain. You really have thought this.
0: Very extensive fanfic. Yeah. But
2: I, yeah. But and yeah. <laughs> this is my head, this is my head canon. But yeah, I will never write this fanfic, but uh, but there it is.
0: I think you already have. I mean, that was, uh, yeah. that was it a lot. In,
2: in my brain, yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I, I've I will also composed, uh, about, I've and- composed, I've composed, I've composed Eight new songs if you want to hear
3: them. Go ahead.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So I wonder how much of the show does rely on a cultural moment that isn't there anymore, right? Like it doesn't play every night anymore, as mm-hmm. Chimmers pointed out. And like the kids in my class, I think three of them had seen it when I asked. And mm-hmm. one, one had seen not the movie, but had seen a live production of the stage show. And that was it. And
2: one of the reasons our are- our other co-hosts aren't here. Is so I don't believe any of them have seen it or you know, have you know, much thoughts on Amazing. it. Yeah, and, 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 I'm not, and I do. Younger, that, you're right, they're, they're slight, younger. I'm.
0: I mean, I'm young of the four of us, I'm the youngest, but I'm old. I'm 48, right? So, mm-hmm. and our co-hosts are all in their 30s. So, you yeah. know, that's yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's and dying it, thing.
3: And I was talking with my drama club on Monday. We're gonna do we're gonna do like a Halloween themed improv, and we were talking about showing a Halloween themed film. And Rocky Horror Picture Show was one of the ones that was brought up. And however. This is skewed because this is talking to theater geeks. So mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not just, you know, the average, but people who because especially because as Michael said, it's theatrical, it's a musical, people do stage productions of it. So they knew it, but that's probably not the best sample. Uh, <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. I sometimes I, I do have a chapter in a book called Reading Rocky Horror that was edited by Jeffrey Weinstock. And I sometimes give it to my students to read and every once in a while I do get a group of students who have never seen Rocky Horror and they have no idea what I'm talking. About. About. Yeah, that- I
2: think it is it's something that felt so ubiquitous to me in the, in the '90s that just now is not how things come and go. Which maybe so there was a book I believe Chuck Lostrum and a number of years ago is essentially "What if everything we think we know about the present is wrong?" And his premise being, you know, everything we think is really important now. A hundred years from now, will, will historians be talking about it at all? Yeah. Um, well, of course. And if and I think that's a I think that's an interesting observation that we're just completely no. wrong about what's really important in our lives at the moment.
1: But that said, there is a group here at UC Santa Cruz called Slugs and Fishnets, and they do the full-on thing, the full shadow cast with costumes, and okay. everybody comes and brings the proper props, and they do it, and it's got its own innovations and its own its own regionalisms, you know, and, and they do mm-hmm. it about once a quarter, so they do it three times a year. And it's really popular. People so love
3: it. Here in Coos Bay, which is, you know, tiny town out on the Oregon coast, there's a company that comes through usually in October, although we haven't since the, I haven't seen them since the pandemic before the pandemic and they would on the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the old theater that's downtown and with the shadow cast I mean the place was packed
2: mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So I'm curious about maybe this is too big a stop to be introducing an hour into the show but some of the I had you know, a young friend a young agender person who had I believe they had seen it and they just found it really dated and found a that's lot of portrayals. yeah you know, a lot of the portrayals is just not necessarily offensive but just so not where they are where the world is now, they saw a lot of it just cliche. Here's and a question. That, yeah. I, I guess the point I'm making is, you know, this thing that was, I think, just talking about this that openly in 1975, right. this didn't happen. So there's that lack of perspective on the pers- on the part of younger people who who see it as this dated thing. And, and I think we're very past that at this point. So I wonder well, how much of it's so the datedness of it is compromises the acceptance of it in some way. That's one of my yeah. questions
0: about it. Like I watch it and I wonder, is it just not trans- transgressive enough so like the idea mm-hmm. that I mean the weirdness of it is oh look here's you know Frankenfritter. he's a, he eschews gender Ooh, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. to, totally scary for 75 and then you know it doesn't really hit in 75 right it has its heyday in the late 80s early 90s right like that's when it's really probably having the most pat midnight showings mm-hmm. right but like the mid 90s you have people like wearing underwear as clothing regularly right uh, like, like yeah. no one in rock no one in rocky horror is Weird if you lived through yes. the Goth years or right. anything, and then right. and then like you know, and now yeah. we have a world where just certainly not. I wouldn't say it's common enough to be mainstream. Like there's no like there's no oppression or anything, but the idea of having non-binary gendered people is you know well, not unheard of in 2022, yeah, right? Just, and I you know,
2: wonder if you know, millions of pairs of eyes on this over the course of the last 40 years, 50 years, years. have helped build a society that is more accepting. You know, I, I mean. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but how many thousands and thousands of people saw this movie and it changing their attitudes towards those I know issues. For a fact that happened, yeah.
0: yes. I know for a fact that there are people who would say there are people who are, again, I'm the youngest. Mm. So my age through your age, like our ages yeah. where there are people who watch this and this changed their lives, either because they become, became accepting of queer people or they realized it might be okay to be uh, queer. Yeah. You know, but like it, in it 2022, certainly- it doesn't feel that way anymore. Yeah, right. right.
2: It was start- mm-hmm. certainly part of my awakening with these topics. Absolutely,
1: mm-hmm. you know, I have to say that the the Slugs and Fishnets troop that I was just telling you about—they do a lot of gender bendy stuff, even within the yeah. even within the story of Rocky Horror. So they will constantly be mm-hmm. playing with gender even further, right? Even to that next level that, okay. that, that Rocky Horror didn't even mm-hmm. conceive As, of, right? Couldn't conceive of, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to hear. I, just that the progression of the art that the, you you the thing changes
0: along with time. So on last week's show we talked about Jennifer's body and the way in which the queer community sort of glommed onto it as a cult classic, right? And this is a much later film, right? And in some ways, you know, not as obviously queer as Rocky Horror, but that said, one of our guests last week, Jose, he compared it to Brokeback Mountain, which came out around the same time, and he pointed out that, you know, he doesn't know any queer people who like Brokeback Mountain, and I thought, I do. And then I realized, it's literally just me being 10 years older than he is, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Like, like for my generation, that was a much more transformative move than it would have been for someone younger. And then I talked about like the fact that, like, I've got a niece who came out seven or something as a child. You know, she told us that she was gay and like she's allowed to because she was born in the 21st century, right? Like, that's not <laughs> it, 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 like yeah. that's not a thing that happened in 1980, right? It, 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 right. It's, it's uh, you know, right. so like, so good, right? And, and, and I mean, it's sort of a, you know, sure, maybe Rocky Horror doesn't seem as transgressive anymore. And good. That means the world got better. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I would even go so far, Mavs, to say that Rocky Horror probably had an impact on that, right? As, like, yeah, That's, like, sure. yeah, that's what I was saying. saying that, the millions of people saw exactly, it. Yes. But I think, you know, mm-hmm. I think Rocky Horror had an impact on him dress and styles. I think it had an impact on people wearing underwear mm-hmm. on the outside of their clothing in the 80s. Well, I say the thing
2: I was saying, the, the impression of the goth uh, scene. I mean, you look at Frank and then you look at The Damned two years later, yeah. uh, you know, or Bauhaus or whatever. Yeah. You know, there, there are scenes of you know, Daniel Ash, the guitarist of Bauhaus on stage in, in Fish nets and a miniskirt, <laughs> leather miniskirt in nineteen eighty. So yeah, you know that just that influence was absolutely there.
3: Can we take just a moment to appreciate the sheer genius of Tim Curry? Uh, Oh yes. (laughs) For me, that's part of why the movie is you know, okay Tim Curry. So, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, there for it.
2: Absolutely.
3: <laughs> oh.
2: He just so wonderfully over the top in that just dove into it and embraced it and yeah, his facial expressions throughout the movie. I can watch <laughs> it just to see his eyebrows. You
3: know? I, it struck me this time as I was watching it that I'm like, how much, this is going to sound kind of dumb, but how much makeup because with having all the dark makeup around his eyes, whenever he would open his eyes wide, the white of his eyes would be that much more shocking. Mm-hmm against the I, earth
2: eye shadow and our, I'm to, to go to YouTube and look up on David Bowie's Life on Mars video with this bright blue oh, yeah. eye shadow yeah. eye makeup yeah, on it and you know you, and Frank you know, smearing his makeup at the end just I saw that it's like it's Bowie Life on Mars he doesn't smear the makeup in that but just the sheer vibrancy of that eye shadow and eye makeup is part of that <laughs>
1: you know in the when they were in London when they were uh, staging in the theater in London before they ever made it a- film o'brien richard o'brien who played Riff Raff and also wrote the film he reported that it's also in flesh he's also in flesh gordon. gordon absolutely that's right which is a good movie <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you- but what he said is that they were very surprised to discover that they had by accident found that a man wearing fishnet stockings and high heels was turning on the women in the audience it was a <laughs> mm. total shock to them
2: and, and right and let's say at the same time you see what Bowie was wearing on stage with a lot of exposed thighs and flesh sure. and whatever he was doing the same thing and having the exact same reaction Action in theaters in London around that same time. So yeah, and yeah, a, I'm not surprised. He that, had a
1: really androgynous body, right? It was hairless. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas, you know, Tim yeah. Curry is yeah, manly right. body. Right. Yeah, but
2: still, that was happening. Just see that whole androgyny part of what was happening in glam rock right then, and the shock of that on British TV. I mean, you know, this is in the theater, but we have these bands appearing on Top of the Pops every week, and you know, there, there's the famous Bowie on, I believe, his Top of the Pops, and him doing Starman, and just I've read the you know, had a lot of different ex- reactions to this. He, uh, he casually drapes her an arm around Mick Ronk, the, uh, the guitarist. Just And they're, they're wearing makeup and the hair, and you're know, just looking weird and androgynous whatever. And he just put his arm around Mick's shoulder, and Great Britain lost its fucking mind over how queer yeah. this was. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, like it was in the news. It was this huge. And like, I have draped my arm around Mike. I've draped my arm around Mav. You know, I've hugged you yeah. guys. Yep. In uh-huh. public. We lost or our minds. We lives. think Nothing of it. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> that long before.
0: That wasn't the gay, but that wasn't the gay thing. That was just that it was wing. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, but
2: just how what was happening just culturally, particularly in Great Britain, right then, mm-hmm. it took a lot longer. And America still never quite gotten on with that. You Bowie was never as popular here in the seventies. The whole glam thing wasn't as popular here. You can make the argument that the glam trash bands, the hair metal bands here in America in the eighties, and they were very definitely an offshoot of glam. Mm-hmm. But they can only get away with it here by singing about motorcycles and girls, right? Right. You know, like that was this
0: overly masculinized Motley
2: Crue thing about strippers that allowed them to wear lots of makeup and hairspray.
0: Right. Absolutely. I mean, the idea of your poison, your Metallica, your Motley Mm -hmm. Crue, all of those bands absolutely were hyper masculinized while Mm -hmm. also trying to feminize themselves. Mm -hmm. Though I would wonder and just take it back to to what we were talking about before with Rocky Horror, right? Like this is the not being transgressive anymore issue. Like the idea idea of so one of the major plot points in the film is both Janet and Brad end up sleeping with Frank mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be oh my god it's so shocking that Brad did this and it's sort of any and he does it in the exact same way of well yeah. you know I'm not gay but I'm turned on right now so I guess I'm just going to go with this and I think you're supposed to be shocked you know with both of them. Then,
2: absolutely yeah back then you then, were absolutely <laughs> supposed to be shocked. In
0: 2022 you have single people who are like you know, normally I'm straight, but I'm turned on mm-hmm. enough, so so I'm gonna go with it. And I think the audience kind of goes, yeah, but that scans, yeah. yeah <laughs> so, right, so, right. So, so like, yeah. So it's, it, I mean, again, this is the world being better, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. like we we just live on a better planet now, so great. But like, that's the same thing with the transgressiveness of the outfits, of the bowiness, of the mm. you know, oh my god, just to even to even hug another man in public, Ooh, yeah, you know, and yeah, it, well, yeah, the yeah, toxic you know.
2: masculinity thing, you know. If, mm-hmm. And because because Brad is a different type of toxic masculinity, he's not you know, he's just that repressed '50s idealized sure. '50s male. But mm-hmm. you know, he, he and Eddie were both broken by Frank. You know, they mm-hmm. you know, they they slept with Frank, and you down inside I'm bleeding. They were both broken uh-huh. by Frank. Whereas Columbia and Janet just embraced it and went. So I think that says a lot about
1: do specifically that, male sexuality.
0: Do you think Janet embraces it any more than yeah? Absolutely, she's the only one. yeah, in the floor she's
1: the only one who singing a happy song. Everybody else is singing about how unhappy okay. they are. Rose tits my world. She says, I feel released that times, bad times, deceased. My confidence is de- okay. increased. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I see you. And,
0: and in,
2: in the song, Superheroes, which is cut out of, of the American version, and usually I watch the British version because that song is still included because it's on the soundtrack. And I see that song as essential to the movie, even though mm-hmm. most American audiences haven't seen it. They're crawling around in the aftermath after the, uh, the castle flies off. And Brad is just absolutely broken. And Janet is still kind of acknowledging that she wants more down Mm -hmm. inside. The beast is feeding and she doesn't sound upset by it. She's been
1: transformed by Frank Frankenstein.
0: And you don't think Brad has been, or do you think it's like a thing where in
1: in 1974 he can't
0: be? Yeah. And his lyrics in that song are down
2: inside.
1: I'm bleeding. There was a sequel, you know, I don't know if anybody knows this because it was a really terrible movie. It was called shock treatment. And this is Brad. I haven't seen
3: it, but I know of it. Yeah.
1: Brad and Janet trying to return to Denton and live in Denton after, after they, uh, they had this experience, right? With, with Frankenfur. Well, that's all I have to say uh, with, about with it. Different yeah, people
2: different cast, people are cast. Yeah, we, with, with different people cast as Brad uh, and Janet. So you're
0: saying, are we doing that next week? Is that no? no. Uh, it's,
2: so, it's, so we'll resolve nothing. <laughs> I couldn't convince you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess you, bottom line for me is just, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's a combination of, I enjoy it in the moment. When I watch it, I always get something out of, it. It, I end up thinking about it too much. But it's also just this wildly nostalgic thing for me with people and places in my life. So Which
0: is perfectly I mean, yeah. Isn't that like a good thing? Isn't that like a reason why we like cinema? Like- yeah. So, I get that I guess <laughs> I, I just you know my takeaway here is still kids go watch under the cherry moon you know <laughs> 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 That's the bar- but again I think what makes this work is uh, it is a film that while losing the nightly cult that it used to have because all of those people are middle aged now right like mm-hmm. we're old people so you can't just hang out every you guys are talking about once a month, once a year, three times a year, as opposed to every Friday night, which is what it was at one mm-hmm. point. I get that it's disappearing to be replaced with other newer cult classics, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I do think that it has remained. There were enough of the kids who knew what it was in my class, even if they would not seen. it. So I think it it has maintained some level of cultural cachet to where I feel like it does have some, you know, some canonized value at this point in the world of pop culture. I'm teaching a pop culture class next year. I'm sure I'll talk about it. Like, that's the kind of thing, you know, the history of pop Mm. culture. I think I think if you're talking about, you know, Western pop culture, American or British, I think it I think you can't not mention it if you're going to do the 20th century, you know, something right. (laughs) So that's I mean, I think that's resolving something. It's resolving that it's got a place in canonized history. It's as important as James Joyce (laughs) maybe
1: (laughs) in a very different way. Different, in a different way, but you know, I think more people have seen Rocky Horror than have read Ulysses. I'll guarantee that. I would yeah. absolutely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. More people
3: cast and have probably finished Finnegan's Wake, uh, but you know,
1: I would I'd agree with that. I,
0: I've not, I have not finished Ulysses and yeah, no one has. <laughs> like, I, know lot, I know lots of people who do. I know lots of people who have actually, I'm, I'm just not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, without
3: reading that.
2: <laughs> no, They're just, they're just telling you they finished it. No I,
3: I had to do it for my when I, in my doctoral coursework. I, uh, I, wow! Wow! Yeah,
0: and I have a professor. I have a professor who teaches a course on on Joyce, and I didn't take it. And the
3: annotations, <laughs> the book of annotations that she, tell, you know, the professor tells us to buy, is equally as large as the novel itself. Uh-huh, yeah.
1: yeah, and it's a and it's a large novel. Yes. Yeah. What you don't know is that Joyce didn't finish it either. Yeah. The last fifty pages were just periods.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I don't know uh, it's better than Joyce
2: I think
1: what we came up with is that whether you like it or not it's important yeah
0: and it's I mean I I think my student had it exactly is it good I don't know but you know you should know that it exists (laughs) so (laughs) I was like that's fair uh, that is a fair of this film so I don't know I think it's worth seeing if you are a pop culture fan which I know a lot of our listeners are I think the cultural relevance and history of it, putting it in context the way that we tried to do over this last hour. I think that makes it make sense in a way that even more so than just the nostalgia. It's
3: one of those pretty sure it's on, it's one of the ones that has been added to the National Film Registry, right, as being culturally significant in some way. I mean, yeah, I haven't it. ever really researched that. I don't know if that's super easy and if they hand that is out like candy. Uh,
0: but, no, it's hard to get in. It was added to the National Film Registry in 2005. So yes, okay. that is, and that's impressive. Yeah. So <laughs> watch it for Tim Curry. I absolutely <laughs> Nobody mentioned meatloaf. Meatloaf's in this movie.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. I love hot. Yeah, yeah I love
1: that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yep. I have that one in some of my mixes. (laughs) Absolutely. I love. I put Rocky Horror in my mixes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Watch on the Moon Kids. (laughs) Anyway.
1: Anyway,
0: Mike, Nicole, thank you both for joining us. Pleasure. Uh, Nicole, you can go first. Nicole, what do you want to plug? Because I know there's something specific that you can. You're going to want to
1: plug.
3: (laughs) Nicole, what do you want to plug? I'm involved with the National Popular Culture Association, and we are currently taking submissions for the annual meeting that will be in San Antonio next April. We have over 120 different areas, all kinds of things. So if you're interested, go to pcaaca.org. You can look up, look up the areas. i an area chair. Mav's an area chair. We, there's a lot I'm of... I'm in charge of Mav.
2: sex. I'm going to submit a paper on Rocky Horror <laughs>
3: You can't, you, oh no,
0: I would, I, and I actually, I absolutely would take it. I am in yeah. charge of the, I am in charge of the Eros and pornography area for the for what I'm in charge of, I 100% would take a paper on Rocky Horse. That would be that, that would be easily would, would be appropriate. So, yeah, then I'll probably submit to
2: promise for the <laughs>
3: <laughs> My feelings won't be hurt if you want to give mass, give Maz a thrill for a year. So, yeah. You
1: know, what about you? Let's see. First thing I want to do is I want to give a shout out to Slugs and Fishnets. That's twittercom slash fishnets One word. Go check them out because they're doing amazing stuff. I am the director of the UCSC Center for Monster Studies. You can find at monsterstudies.ucsc.edu. And we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Just look up Monster Studies UCSC and you will find it. And what else? You have a oh, show yeah. that you've you never a show before. You this is the first podcast. time i ever really plugged this show. So I'm, I have a podcast, the show where they talk about monsters. You can get it. Oh, no sports, sports, that kind of thing. But no, we talk about monsters and the way that monsters kind of of, even though they're just cultural phenomena they spill over into our real lives and affect us in real ways and i do that with mike halakakis who's a veteran podcaster and he's really fun and it's a short show it's only an a half good hour shows. thanks thanks wayne and we're trying to raise money to do it again but you can get it at amazon ellipsis spotify wherever all fine podcasts are sold it's free yeah
0: absolutely and of course linked in the cool. show notes and i like to think of that as a spinoff of this show it's literally just if you've heard mike on the show the first four times you were on where we just you know kept having you on to talk about uh, radio, in yeah. The monster stuff,
1: it's I more totally of that. Agree. I've yeah. actually been on <laughs> yeah. this show more than I've been on yes. my own show. <laughs>
2: Have you really? Wow, you, yeah, you've been uh, okay. a pretty regular guest over the four, four and a half yeah. years we've been doing this. So is Nicole.
0: You're both,
1: so
2: is
0: Nicole. Both
1: of you,
2: yeah, um, you're kind of like honorary nice. co hosts. Thanks.
0: So, thanks. thanks. Yep. So. You
1: let me out of the basement <laughs> now. I was gonna teach me how to do my podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, anytime. I mean, seriously, if you just, you know, it, it's not hard. I mean, I can do this. Come on, Wayne. What about you? Mostly here, you know. I, yeah, I got nothing new. You can plug your Twitter yeah. or Instagram or like. Do you even remember your own handle? You know? No, I don't. Because I. Like do. in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. I will say I, I cheated a little bit with the call for comments. I blogged, I blogged about Rocker six or seven years ago and I lifted a lot of it wholesale for the call for comments, but I went into more detail. I'll send you the link to that. If you're interested in reading the entire blog and my thoughts on Rocky Horror, you can go to my blog. <laughs> So I'll send you the link on that. Absolutely.
0: And as always, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. And you can leave us comments on this or any other show or suggest topics or ask to be a guest or say pretty much anything. And like, we will respond to it. And, you know, we, it's actually been, we've had some really interesting discussion on, on the blog and on the Facebook group lately. So please subscribe. Give us your thoughts. It's, it's really useful for us. It helps us, you know, helps us really, you know, formulate what this show is going to be. And I appreciate that. If you enjoy the show, we certainly hope you do. Then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. That really helps us out, especially if you leave us a review and not just a rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That boosts the algorithms, makes us more popular, and makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I would like to thank Maximilian of Up our music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank both of our guests for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening and
3: we'll see you next time. Woo!